I'm Nick Turzo, and you're listening to The Radical. Today, I speak to a band that describes their music as cumbia meets psychedelic. Again, I get the privilege to talk to young artists about their path, influences, and aspirations. And though still in their 20s, both these guys have the chops to have performed with bands such as Calexico, the Mexican Institute of Sound, Afro-Cuban All-Stars, and Orquestra Mendoza. Their new project, A Strike Back, is a Spanish-language record that encompasses incredible musicianship and style. Hailing from Tucson, I'm joined today by Saul Milan and Caleb Michel of Los Isplifs. This young band is full of incredible talent, uniqueness, and promise. Coming up, my conversation with Saul and Caleb of the band Los Isplifs. Welcome, Saul, and welcome, Caleb. I'm happy to have you guys here, otherwise known as Los Espliffs. Yup, yup. How are you? Awesome. You guys are clearly into some kind of organic gardening with that name. Basil. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's not legal to, to grow basil in Arizona, so yeah. There you go. We there you go. On Smoke it up. Fantastic. How long have you guys um, known each other, known of each other, um, and played like in this iteration? Oh, dang. At least my recollection of knowing Caleb, I know I'm 26 now, and I know him since we're like 20 years old. But I, I just saw him on like a gig. He was playing like a, at the Phoenix Jazz Club, The Nash, just like some jazz show. And I saw him play Gongas, and I was like, holy shit, like there's another cat that's like my age that's super interested in this and like it was I awesome remember i remember that because saul was wearing yeezys and i was like there's a guy who's showing up to the nash jazz club in yeezys <laughs> yeah <laughs> so stylish so stylish he so. said i was at the i was at the wrong gig <laughs> yeah but then he bought some so that yeah literally. and started playing the gigs with them so yeah and so when did you guys kind of form as Lois, Lois Espliffs and, you know, as a duo? When did that kind of start? Oh, well, that was kind of like we started hanging out around mm, summertime of 18 because we started playing together in Vox Urbana, this band like from Tucson. That's like it's probably like 15 years now in the game and like just some grassroots kind of ensemble, Latin ensemble. And uh yeah, we started just getting together and playing that ensemble together. And after that, we wanted to do Los Splits. And that was like around November of 2018. So we conceived of it around May of 2018. And we actually were playing at around September. Yeah. Right. And so this new record is your second then together as a full s studio record? Yeah. 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 This is our first studio record. The other one was an EP. But yeah, it's our EP. Second, second work. Yeah. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Thank you. So. And it's all Spanish language, yeah. There's not, it's it's not really Sp Spanglish. I mean, it's Spanish. Full on, on Spanish. It's Spanish, but I think it's understandable to to our English speaking audience too. At least the vibe comes across pretty well. Which yeah, is I agree with that. I agree with that. So there's only two of you. So I mean, how did you guys actually create this? Because it sounds like it's a lot larger in size. So you must add some collaborators. Well, yes. it's actually a, a five to six piece band um because some of the members kind of rotate 
but there's like a core group that we use who are Los Esplis. And and we're just like the creators of the band. Yeah. And we're the, we're pretty, so we use our face a lot. Yeah. And our, our collaborators are like, when we started conceiving the band, like we were already playing in a bunch of Phoenix ensembles and stuff like that. So then we kind of, and, and Tucson ensembles, so then we kind of like, Put together the best players from all those bands yeah like we got um casey hadland and gus woodrow from mesquite this psych band from from uh tucson super killing psych. super killing and then um this uh bass player is crystal favaro from a super cool band named Jerusalem, where we were part of that band yeah. and then uh zach parker is also part of that band who's the guitarist and he also was part of this indie rock band called proteins so um yeah and then our our producer for this record his name is wally budway and he produced for the proteins los puchos uh the eeks yeah uh slow moses so like yeah we like to say we like to joke around and say it's a band of band leaders yep <laughs> like all of all of our favorite bands or a few of our favorite bands in arizona we just got the band leaders and yeah. just like right. turned them into and what's the instrumentation like throughout the record? I mean, there's there's a lot going on. Who's who's playing what and what's being played? Oh, so like I think for this record, uh, the main synth line was like just a microcorg with like a kind of like a memory mandalay on it, just to, to as a lead. And then there's two guitars on it. That, that's him on synth. That's me on synth. There's two guitars on it, and that's Wally Budaway on one of them, the engineer and producer. The other one's Zach Parker on guitar. Um, Chris plays a solo too in the Otro País. Yeah, Chris Del Favreau, the bass player, plays the Otro País solo. Um, but he plays bass throughout the whole two, uh, album. And then Casey Hadland plays drums. And then Caleb plays pretty much like all of the percussion that all you hear on, yeah. on, on the record. So that's pretty awesome. Well, that's incredible. That's incredible. And you guys have like a, an interesting background of some of the projects you've been involved with, right? You've played with people like Calexico and the Mexican Institute of Sound, uh, you know, the Astro Cube and All Stars, yes, at a very young age. Yeah. Um, is that you, Caleb, that did that? Yeah. Wow, you were 19. Mm-hmm. So did you tour with these guys or mostly record with these projects? I, I recorded a couple things with Afro Cuban for Afro Cuban. Uh, and then I toured with them for seven years. Oh, wow. Right now, because of the pandemic, we're not playing. But um, with the next tour, I'll be on that, too. Oh, wow. That's impressive. So, and Saul, you've been involved then with Calexico and the Mexican Institute of Sound. Is that you? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I started working with them around 2015. And I started working with Sergio Mendoza from Tucson. He's like a member of Orquesta Mendoza. I started playing in that group. And after that... Uh, yeah, when I was like 19 and then I met Camilo and I hopped on his tour when I was like 22, 23 and yeah, just meeting them and working with them, Calexico as well. Like I did a couple of runs with, uh, Iron and Wine and their last tour and stuff like that. They're just awesome community members that like see other people like doing really cool stuff in the community. And they're like super awesome about helping out and seeing that. Yeah. While we're on the community part of this, I mean, you know, my experience having been around Tucson a little bit um, is that there's kind of this amazing kind of community of musicians that I think it's overlooked a lot. I mean, certainly more fascinating and curious than Phoenix. Um, why don't you guys talk a little bit about Tucson, like as a music community? I, I just I just moved to Tucson. Um, what month is it? 
it's February. February. I moved to Tucson four months ago. Well, you can't talk about it then, so okay. <laughs> I moved to Tucson specifically because um, I felt like the community that I experienced every time that I was in Tucson, because I would come here a lot, like a few times a month usually, and I felt like all the all the people that I met in such a short span of time of me just visiting was like they were all amazing. They're all super nice and willing to collaborate. And not even just musicians, but artists in general, like all facets yeah. of art. It's pretty sick. But Saul knows Tucson more than I do. Yeah, I'm from Nogales, but when I came to college, I came to Tucson. And so I've been here since I was 18. I moved to Phoenix for like a couple of years, and that's where we met and actually hung out. But yeah, I returned like maybe it's going to be nine months ago. And honestly, like Tucson's always been like a hidden gem in, in music because a lot of the projects that come out of here and that you get to work on are, are super underground big and they get to get a lot of recognition. And a lot of the work that is done here is actually, uh, I mean, a lot of that those records are made here in Tucson. So there's a, a, a big outreach of like um, having, being able to be in, in, in the view of like really awesome projects. So it's kind of like unique in a way that like you can't really, you don't have to be in like a big city to experience a huge scene you know it's right and what's it's very amazing in that way you know what do you think the catalyst for that is i mean is there something that everyone kind of organizes around i mean is it the recording studios i mean what 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 really is it is it the uh, latin culture latino culture i mean what what's really driving it there i think i think it's like studios specifically is, is what's been driving that and like the culture of like you know calexico and giant sand are like a really 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 big deal uh, in the community because they set like in the 90s and late 80s set like a big, very big circuit for our sound and like uh, the establishment of that to be even uh, uh, profitable for musicians even. So um, they also set up their streamlined recording of, of, of record making, of video making. So a, a lot of people are in town because of the legacy of that and continue to make work because of that. Like I work at Dustin Stone Recording Studios with Gabriel Sullivan, who's like the member of uh, Giant Sand, and you know it's we and and he's the band leader of Sixa, so it's like it's awesome to be like in a studio and and in the the community is leading those records. You know they're leading more Sixa records, more Giant Sand stuff, and like uh, the fact that their studio is dedicated for that type of work. And Sergio's got his own stuff too. And there's a lot of different musicians here in town like that do different types of music that have their studios. It's kind of crazy. There's like, I counted the other day, there's like six Tascam 388s in Tucson. <laughs> so that's like... Pfft. Also, honestly, this is a little far out, but I feel like there's like a vibe in Tucson. Yeah. Like all of the settlements in the 1800s and seven, like there's like crazy architecture. The streets are still crazy. You can tell it's a border city too. You know, you can see Mexico, mm -hmm. like not not physically see it, but you can see it around you yeah. in different ways. The people you can feel like there's this Western vibe to it, but it's a modern Western, but everybody yeah. is like embrace. It's like this weird vibe where it just lends itself to art. Weirdly, weirdly, even racially, like, you know, like, people are more balanced here like as as in a sense of like the, co the community of white folks with 
with uh, Latino people. Like the synergy yeah. is a lot better than I feel like in a lot of uh, different towns. So I think that that's also a, a driving force in the community, you know? And how do you explain with uh, Los Spliffs, the, uh, you know, how do you explain the music that you make? I mean, I've seen Goombia meets a psychedelic. I mean, what's the psychedelic thing? Can you explain some of that to me? We're young and we've done drugs. <laughs> Is that all it comes down to? No, no, no. <laughs> I think the music like itself, uh, one approach that I see of a psychedelic movement um, and that we I place our record in that vein is that like, for example, we're really big fans of the Fania movement of the late 70s and 80s. And um, a lot of those musicians around the Boogaloo era created albums that were very similar to like uh, our albums and, and they were calling it psychedelic uh, because of the times. And I think that we're, we're at the point in, in history where it's like similar times are happening since those times. And I think that that's why the term psychedelic or uh, psych music has that like bridge bridging gap. Cause uh, a lot of the movements that are happening in the seventies in New York were like incredibly, incredibly dangerous uh, in, 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 in talks of like uh, social movements. Them. Yeah, social movements. And, and that's kind of like what's happening right now. And our music is sort of like trying to reflect that in a way that's uh, that not that poignant. And I feel like that's the way uh, um, those other musicians were also reflecting it in a sense of like rebellion, in a sense of, you know, uh, yeah. experimentation. It was like, yeah. I mean, like the way, the way my dad always explains it to me, my dad like, grew up in New York and was like, very close with this whole Fania movement. And the way he always explains it to me and Saul is just like, it was like a bunch of black Puerto Ricans and black Domin Dominicans and brown Puerto Ricans, brown Dominicans and Cubans and, and Hondureños and Panameño, all these like Latin cats in New York, obviously, which is an, another huge feature. And suddenly like the Cuban embargo happened, Cuba shut down, so which Cuba represents this huge hub of music yeah. for all of Latin America, like one of the most important hubs of music that influences all of Latin, all of Spanish speaking, yeah. the, the Spanish speaking world. And suddenly that got shut down. So all these cats in New York that loved that sound and that felt like that sound represented them had to take the responsibility to like display it, to like, you know, send that message still out to the world. And the way they did it, is they incorporated their New York life, their Americanized life, which was like, you know, at the time it was like punk. It was, and hustlers, it was hustlers, gang, yeah, yeah, thugs, all these cats, and their parents, how their grandparents uh, influenced them, their grandparents being super traditionalist, but them being New York thugs and, and New York, you know, playboys and all this stuff. And I feel like our music kind of has that same vibe to it in terms of we are um, we are americanized latinos that are brown black and white and we have to represent ourselves in a way that unfortunately for a lot of people in charge goes against what they want you know what i mean so that's why like we've been described as psychedelic like Saul was saying we've also been described as punk which is wild always surprises yeah. me because i'm like how the hell am i punk you yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah, a lot of the 
psychedelic aspect also comes with like presenting this content in a, in a place where it shouldn't otherwise exist. Yeah, and that's yeah. something that like we try to really place in the booking of it. Like, you know, we'll play with a punk band. Like we have been playing with like, punk bands and that's like yeah. the most ideal thing where like listening to cumbia music is a psychedelic experience within itself because you don't expect something like that to happen. And for a lot of the, the kids, Latino and white kids, anybody, you know, it's like they've never been introduced to this music. And I feel like that itself, when you watch live, is a psychedelic experience, oh, yeah. the way we're, we're kind of like creating it, you know? Got it. And let's talk about the record a little bit and maybe some of the themes that you have in this record. Um, you know, Otro País, I mean, I suppose, you know, another country um, yeah. yeah, says a lot right there. And is that part of the themes kind of, uh, is it another country? Was I right with that translation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the record and some of the themes thematically. In it. Otro País specifically, uh, there, I was like working really hard one summer. And it was really hot and I was always tired and I like lost all this weight and it was like bad. You know what I mean? And then I started realizing like, what the like why am i still struggling to pay rent and the and it was like the elections were about to start going on and there was all this political talk and there's these albums that i listened to from the 80s that that have the same theme of like political talk one song in particular that that always talk that says like se acaban las elecciones it's like man elections are over and the same shit goes on and the same, and they say this and they say that and they promise this and they promise that, but nothing ever changes. And I remember one day listening to that and being like, damn, that's exactly true. Like, here I am, elections are going on, they're promising all these things. I got a stimulus, but it didn't last me very long. And here I am struggling to pay rent. And so that's what that song was about. It was like, <clears throat> and it's called Another Country, Otro País. Specifically because I wanted to leave it um, open-ended enough so that anyone in any country could hear that song and feel, yeah, I want to go to a different country. Because there are kids right now in, in Guatemala that want to come to the United States looking for a better life. Mm -hmm. You know, just like there are kids here in America here that, that want to like, yeah. go to Spain or we want to go to Mexico. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's an endless cycle. And so that's why it's called Otro País and not Fuera de Estados Unidos, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because it's like we're all, all of us are affected by kind of like the decisions of the same. Yeah. No and, and this arbitrariness of like what that actually means and that if you yeah. go to another place, it will probably be the same yeah, for you same or a different you. thing, you know? So it's like, even if you escape at the end of the day, it'll be the same shit, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a right. dark humor take of that. Yeah, yeah. Reverse immigration in America. Reverse immigration. <laughs> <laughs> and is the rest of the music on there kind of socio-political or is some of it more kind of free and loose and fun? Uh, well, the thing is, it's like we couldn't actually like now that you actually asked the question, we can't we couldn't really escape it because like the 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 moment of the recording was March of 2020 and it ended in july of 2020 you know around there so it's like we couldn't escape talking about the the stuff that was happening um i don't know um but that wasn't that wasn't, that wasn't like, that, like the that wasn't goal. the intention yeah, yeah. we're not like a political i wouldn't say yeah, we're a political yeah, yeah. band i think that there's just a lot of shit going on in politics and so it's we getting couldn't escape our, it yeah yeah we couldn't escape I mean? it but most i wouldn't say that our messages are political yeah, i would yeah, say yeah. that our messages are just about 
you know, life and all of the things that we're always constantly, because we constantly think about these things, whether you follow politics or not, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, you don't got to be in politics to yeah. wonder if you're going to make rent, yeah. you know what I mean? Or, or to see, like, why was I treated like that even, you know, while I'm Black? Why yeah, was yeah, I treated yeah. like that? I mean... And, yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of, like, I guess it's, like, the whole album uh, is kind of, like, a critiques a, a little bit of, like, what it means and kind of, like, albums that we would like to listen to also is kind of, like, the, the basis of, an, uh, of that album. And, like, I guess there's another theme of, like, the last song is, like, a very old style song mm -hmm. um and like the skit before it kind of puts it into perspective of what we're talking about and which is like the the dialect between the older generation oh, yeah, yeah. talking to the newer generation but it is like breaking where we're the ones making the music and we're the newer generation so it's like that's kind of like the themes that we're trying to uh target is like just things that like latino kids think about also you know like uh, our second single galaxia is something that like is an identity crisis like thing that I've written about and that's like the main kind of thing of the of the song and it, it's abstractly there it's obviously not just saying like I'm having an identity crisis because of the border you know like it's like just what it is you know but uh I think that a lot of Latino kids are thinking the same things and we're trying to like create songs that like speak to them as well like that create like a cool ambiance for everybody else to dance to and stuff but yeah, we just make yeah. music for our friends and people that we want to be our friends. Yeah. Good to know. That's really good. So let me ask you, is, is you know, this Latinx term that comes up all the time, is that a proper term? I mean, just to describe uh, the Latin community now? I mean, is that... It's, it's what do you crazy. guys... I mean, um, oof, oof. I've, I've been crazy, like, talking about this on Clubhouse, weirdly. So I, I don't know. It's like... A lot of the the stuff of just like any label that has to do with culture already like separates us completely uh, from normality. So, but this one tries to approach like some midway term where like at least there's uh, a, a larger aspect of Latinidad inside of Latinx, you know, as a term. So it's it's kind of like there as as far as like a musical genre to be called Latinx. I mean, it's um, it's cool because it, I like it because it's a, uh, it opens up the horizon of like what Latin music per se in quotations could be. You know, it, it could still be song, singer songwriter, but it happens to be somebody from Mexico. Yeah, you know? so that term kind of like hopefully if it's taken correctly by the media in the next ten years can be like a positive thing for uh, the movement of like assimilation to the bigger main mainstream kind of world. You know. Also, like we don't we don't want to be gender biased. Also, so yeah, X. yeah, right. X is good. It's right. very inclusive. Yeah, got it. Yeah, because I just didn't know as a white guy. You know, it's like well, how's this term used? Like I'm, you know, I'm not in the community. Yeah, yeah, a, <laughs> and I keep seeing this everywhere now. As a black Latino, I don't know it very well either. Uh, I just just be nice to each other. You know. Yeah, I mean? yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah. So I just. I don't know. You know, we're in a new world and things are kind of changing every day. And I, I, I just walking my PC line here yeah, um, good for a little bit. Um, so, I mean, it's an exciting time, though, for like Latin Latino music. Right. I mean, you've got some of the biggest 
releases and commercially successful releases coming out of, you know, Puerto Rico and Colombia and Mexico. I mean, this is like a fabulous time kind of for yeah. mm-hmm. finally, I mean, not finally, it's been there forever, but it's getting its due. Of course. Yeah. It's super awesome. I'm, I'm specifically a fan of all the Puerto Rican and, and Colombian reggaeton. It's like incredible. Yeah. yeah. Those guys are slaying it. Those two places. It's amazing. So is there like a, is there a career you guys like really would like emulate? I mean, is there an artist whose career you're like, ah, oh, you know what? If I had that career, I am golden. There's two, there's two artists. One of them recently passed away like a week ago, which, which really broke me. But cause he's been my idol since I started playing music when I was four. And that's Johnny Pacheco is like one of my biggest idols because Johnny Pacheco did what he, I mean, it's controversial. I, I hang around Cubans a lot, like real Cubans. And they it's controversial because Johnny Pacheco, he, you know, they say, some people say that he took credit for Cuban music, which I don't agree with. I think he helped Cuban music become the huge uh, worldwide thing that it is now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's beautiful. I think Johnny Pacheco being Dominican myself and him being from Dominican Republic and, and taking a music that's not, from Dominican Republic, you know what I mean? But like exploding into it and for his entire life and giving so many people opportunity, he created Fania. And he get he's like the reason that we are having this this talk with yeah, you right yeah. now. You know, if it weren't for Johnny Pacheco. And then my band leader Juan de Marcos, I think, is like an yeah. amazing person. He's like an idol of mine. Yeah. For me it would nice. it would have to be Camilo Lara from Mexican Still Sound, like mm-hmm. that cat like killer 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 ever since i i got close to him i started noticing like how much of a of a, of a genius he is and when it comes to creativity and creating stuff and always constantly being making stuff the other person that i feel like uh would be a cool career is like residente from yeah. calle 13. I was thinking I said. And, um, that band calle 13 is like the closest i feel like uh that there is to Los Espliffs that mm-hmm. exists, you know, like, and that has existed, I think, in the last 10 years. So something like Calle 13 is something I look up to, you know. Right. And if you guys, I mean, prior to COVID, were you able to get any touring in as Los Espliffs or, or not too much? Uh, traveling, we did one outside of Arizona gig, and that was uh, in Mexico. No, in Mexico. Yeah, it was in Hermosillo. That was like a one-off festival called Posadelic with the OCs, ladies of LCD and a bunch of really cool artists. Yeah. Nice. So more, more touring to come then once I mean, we get it, a handle on all this. Uh, if people listen to the record and they like it, I hope they want to hear it live. And I, and I, let oh, oh how could they not? It's crazy. We, pre- we prefer playing live because we, there's this energy that Los Plus creates when we play live that, I mean, we've done because of COVID we've done live sessions. We've done like just studio work where we're playing live in the studio and something about, and just, we did this thing recently where it was like a live session in a studio. And our, our only audience member was our homie, James, who used to live with us. James Tanner, shout out to James Tanner. James, uh, <laughs> James was the only person in the audience. And just because we had one person in the audience, the band like exploded yeah, into yeah. this whole performance and we were fucking playing our asses off. Yeah. So like I hope I can play in front of some random people in Paris. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys keep yourselves really busy. So how do you juggle like your you know just your time amongst this many 
variety of projects? Well, I mean, for me, it's like uh, my main thing. I work at the Dustin Stone Recording Studio, so that's like uh, we just work on different projects. I'm there composing and stuff like that. So Los Bliss is like kind of like uh, my main uh, kind of like gig and stuff like that. But all the other ones I treat as like informative to Los Bliss, oh, yeah. you know, like so like let's just say I play a gig with somebody somewhere that I'm not playing with those splits. It's like, how can, how can I know that person? So I can like play here with those splits, you know? So it's like, I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I juggle it. It's kind of like working, uh, both, both gigs at the same time and kind of like seeing how I can fit those splits and the work I'm, I'm getting exposed to. Right. And do you think because Tucson's kind of a smaller community, I mean, is it harder um, for young artists to build like a profile outside that becomes more of a national profile? Well, I don't know. Like, right. We've, we've had like awesome luck, dude. Like, so there's not like a, uh, and support, like, honestly, shouts out to Sixa, like those cats, like the cats from Calexico and Sergio Mendoza, like those cats are the ones that like, even from, I didn't have an amp and Sergio giving me all these amps to use on records, you know, like even from that type of stuff, it's like, those cats are super helpful they've already laid the groundwork and understand that like cats from here like there's not that many opportunities so like they've already laid the groundwork in, in europe and stuff so it's like it's a lot quicker and a lot more simpler uh because being in, at least for us it was because uh, the community is so strong you know like yeah. everybody's trying to help us it's crazy mm-hmm. it's fantastic i love that so um You've explained, boy, you've mentioned a lot of artists down there. So, I mean, are there any, is there anything currently you're kind of listening to that really, you know, aside from your own music oh, <laughs> that's, that you're totally in love with? I've been listening to this album called uh, Grandiosa, I think, uh, Grandesa by the artist named Cesa from oh, yeah. Brazil. I was going to say Cesa. It's yeah. so incredible. It's like, Cesa's a shit. Wow. It, like uh, our bass player, Chris, showed it to us like maybe a year ago. But then, like, he also, like, shows me thousands of tracks, of, like, a month. So I didn't check it out. And then, and then like, maybe last month, I, it just randomly appeared on, 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 on my radar, and I listened to it, and it was, like, so amazing. The, the same quality of recording that we did, turns out they use the same machines um, and same setup. So it was, like, incredible to hear another musician using the same machines, which is just, like, super rare and, like, weird. And it was so awesome to hear his qualities of, like, free jazz and and brazilian music it was really cool yeah your record sounds it does sound tremendous so i didn't mention that earlier so i'm glad you brought that up yourself kind of a little because it does it sounds fantastic so you recorded that really well or wherever you had produced yeah we we did a hell of a job in a living room living room really yeah yeah and and even one of the tracks we recorded inside of a closet yeah we were moving out of this place and I had this huge closet. So we were like, fuck, we got to use this closet. So we used it for one track. Yeah, yeah. And we called it bedroom song. You know, it's like yeah. bedroom pop, but yeah, literally. It's like, right. fuck it. You know? Yeah. The producer of my podcast keeps insisting I find a closet to record in. Yeah. It's like, quit recording in bigger rooms. Yeah. Go in a closet and do it. So. I can recommend the clothing that you can use to, to lay the walls with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm excited for you guys. I love this record. I hope people dig it. Um, I think it's tremendous. So congratulations. And um, thank you so much for having us. Thank you guys for doing this. And I look forward to someday seeing you guys do this live because I think that would be incredible. Where, where are you located at right now? I'm in Asheville. Asheville. So we'll, we'll yes. definitely hit you up when we're there. Asheville. I've been to Asheville. I like Asheville. Not Asheville. Nashville. Oh, Nashville. Oh, I don't like Nashville. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> we'll, see you, we'll see you there in, in Nashville. You're starting a beef already? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> no, super right. Let me talk to you real quick. Yeah. Caleb, Saul, thank you so much, both of you. I look forward to people hearing this record. Stay healthy. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening this week. To follow what's going on with this podcast, you can go to theradicalpod.com theradicalpod.com. You'll find show notes and past episodes and uh, even a little swag there if you want a t-shirt or a hat. I would be honored if you'd subscribe at Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Till next week. 